Welcome to the forum, the show where we learn more about Husker Nation one fan at a time by asking the same four questions. Last week, we uh, we welcomed Jason from Heartland, a millennial, to the forum. And this week, it's Generation Z's turn as we are joined by Dylan and Jordan of the Boys Down Bad podcast. They are the self-proclaimed number one Nebraska football recruiting podcast in the country, and they are part of the Herd at Sports Network alongside the Redcast. They drop a new pod every Friday on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram and TikTok, and you can find them at Boys Down Bad Pod. Welcome to the forum, Dylan and Jordan. Thanks for having us on. We appreciate. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, We've absolutely. Been guys for a long time, so it's uh, it's an honor to hop on and uh, chop it up with you. Well, cool. It's it's an honor to have you guys on as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned you are you're part of Herdat now, and uh, this was the the announcement from a, a month or so back. Uh, how's that going for you guys? How are you enjoying being part of the network? It's they've been awesome, um, helping us out a ton with our audio and getting that out to the people and uh, making sure it's distributed properly. Um, yeah, they've been super great. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, I mentioned that the, the forum is talking with Husker fans one fan at a time. Well, tonight, obviously, it's two fans, so uh, but it's not the Boys Down Bad podcast, isn't just the two of you. Who else uh, is part of it? Yep, so it's me, um, Dylan, and then we've got Jordan. Um, and then Trevin and Chris, um, and we've had a couple people in the past, kind of a rotating squad of guys that just like to chat it up about uh, Husker football. So it's been been do- going for a little bit over a year now, and uh, we're loving every minute of it. Minute of it. Well, we're going to get to chatting some Husker football here, but before we do, just want to go over sponsors and upcoming shows. Uh, we have Alumni Hall, the two Lincoln uh, locations downtown and eleven twenty P Street and South Point Pavilions behind Barnes & Noble. Uh, as far as upcoming uh, forums, we have Happy Chris next week, the happiest Husker fan on Twitter, Wednesday, May 24th at 8 p.m. And the following Tuesday night, uh, May 30th at 8 p.m., we have Tyler Peterson, who is a Scotch connoisseur, and he's trying to spread some positivity in an angry world. And uh, then we have Pipeline Jerky. Go to pipeline-jerky.com. Use Redcast at the checkout. You officially get 10% off of your order doing that. That money goes to the uh, the pipeline, the offensive line. So some NIL there. Let's help the program out. And last but not least, let's help the Redcast out. We have our Redcast store. You can use the QR code there. Links are also in our description. And uh, I'm going to be getting a new shipment of some shirts and hats and and uh, sweatshirts, and I'm getting some Smack and Smooch official wear from Shane as well. So I'll be wearing the Smack and Smooch hat hopefully here in the next next week or two. But let's start with what is the forum? And the forum is the four same four questions we ask every week. Why are you a Husker fan? What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Who are your all-time favorite Huskers? And how do you think the Huskers are going to do this year? And I guess, you know, Dylan, Jordan, we'll just start with question number one. Why are you a Husker fan? Jordan, you want me to take it? Yeah, go for it. I've got a little bit of a controversial story that some people might not like, some fans. Um, my, I grew up, obviously, in Lincoln um, with my parents, and they were both extremely big Husker fans. However, I was actually born in Dallas, Texas. So for the first, um, I would say, 13, 14 years of my life, I was a pretty big Texas Longhorn fan, unfortunately. 
looking back on it now. But um, it was during kind of the Vince Young era, the Colt McCoy, mm-hmm. Jordan Shipley, Jamal Charles. Um, their national title against USC was awesome. Um, but I got a lot of flack from my friends growing up, which I kind of embraced for a while um, until I got to high school. And I was like, okay, I started to go into more Husker games. You know, I live here. Um, and that's kind of when it turned for me, started to become a diehard Husker fan. I still like Texas, um, but if they played today, I would want Nebraska to win. Um, yeah. My first Husker game was actually the 2006 game at Memorial against Texas, where Ooh. I don't remember that game. Terrence uh, Nunn. Yeah, Terrence Nunn fumble. I was sitting in the Texas Longhorn student section. Um, got a bottle of vodka spilled on me by um, some drunk Texas fans. I was like, you know what? This is pretty awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, that was an awesome first game. The um, atmosphere at Memorial was just insane. Um, didn't matter who I was cheering for. It was just a great game. Um, but it kind of turned in high school, like I said, around the Taylor Martinez era. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I fell in love with the Scooters. So that's my story. Well, you know, you read at the bottom where it says the Redcast would like to remind viewers there's nothing inherently wrong with being born in Texas. Boomer, who you guys have had a chance to meet, and he's actually handling all the, the stuff behind the scenes tonight. Boomer's from Texas, grew up in West Texas, and uh, was a Texas Longhorn fan growing up as well. Um, and I was just talking earlier today with a, a co-worker about that 06 game. We were talking about... Uh, you know, Terrence Nunn and just, you know, the, these little fractions of moments over the course of the years. That if this one little thing happens different, the, the games that we could have won, that would have been one of those. Well, how about you, Jordan? Yeah, so, I mean, growing up in Lincoln, obviously don't have any professional teams. So just one of those things where I had to find a team that I wanted to root for. Um, nice, obviously, you just drive 20 minutes to every game. So that's really the main reason my parents grew up, you know, diehard Husker fans. So, didn't really have another option. I was a good buddy. Me and Dylan have been friends since we were eight years old, probably, and hopped on the Texas bandwagon with him for a little bit. And I was like, I don't know if I can keep riding this wave with you, <laughs> but, you know, hopped off on probably the right time. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it wasn't really a choice. It was just kind of here as being a Husker fan. So just kind of stuck. Jordan mm-hmm. and I actually uh, both painted our rooms uh, burnt orange when we were about, oh, I don't know, 10 years old or so. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't think either parents were very happy with that decision. But I don't think you know, so. have to support your friends. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, th- I'll I'll extend this one olive branch out to the the Longhorn fans out there. That USC game, which I didn't want USC winning that night, that is one of the greatest games. I I I was I was just I don't know that I was happy that Texas won. I was just happy that USC lost, if nothing else, and. And uh, and Vince Young having a chance to see him play here in Lincoln against us and everything, that guy was absolutely amazing back then. So I get it. I coached youth football for about 15 years there in Lincoln. And when I started in 98, I would tell you 90% of the players on our team would wear Husker shirts underneath their jerseys and, you know, underneath their shoulder pads. And, you know, about five, six, seven years later, it's maybe 50%. And the other ones are starting to wear Texas stuff and, and, you know, Oregon and Nike things and all that. And then by the time I got done coaching, you know, it was maybe 25% of the guys are wearing Husker stuff. And that's, that was concerning to me. And it, I'm just happy right now to be talking to you guys about Husker football. I'm glad that you guys, you know, you were at, you had, you were a part of the dark side, but you switched now, you switched back over. And, and uh, I just appreciate that and that you're doing, you're doing some great podcast work for the good guys. Absolutely. 
Well, let's go question number two here. What is your favorite Husker fan memory? Peters, you want to start this one off? Yeah, so this one's very off the beaten path. It was, I believe, 2016, I think Nebraska's first game against Oregon. Um, Brian Reimers, he went to our high school. His brother's in our grade, really good friends with him. Caught the go-ahead touchdown, basically in the end zone that the student section was in. We're all going nuts, probably celebrating a little too hard for just, like, who is Brian Reimers? Why are these kids freaking out? But, I mean, just growing up, Brian lived, like, a block away from my parents' house. So it was one of those things where I knew him my whole life pretty much. And it was just cool to see, you know, a kid that went to our high school, a kid that I knew really well, score a big touchdown in a huge game. So that's probably my – I mean, being 25, there's not a whole lot of positives in Husker fan at the moment. But, you know, we're we're going to have some this year, I think. Well, you know, I think that's one of the reasons – and I want to hear yours, Dylan, in a second. But I think that's one of the reasons I'm so intrigued by – getting some younger people on the show too, is that we can be in a bit of our own echo chamber. If it's just the red cast guys, or just, if it's just a bunch of dudes, my age getting together and talking about the good old times, I mean, those good old times are important, but they're also not necessarily relevant to what's going on today. And coach rule even said that, that, you know, we want to honor the past, but not live in it. And when you said that there's, there's not been a lot of positives, that's a very interesting perspective and a unique one that you get to bring that both of you do that, when I can sit back and go, Hey, I know what championships are like. I know we can get back to this and this and this, you know, I, I take that for granted. I, I think of when I was in college, I got there in 95 and I was there at UNL until 99. We lost one home game during my time. And Jordan, your, you know, your favorite memory is a great one. That's a great memory. 2016, that Oregon weekend, that was a, a great time, but I, I, I have to acknowledge that, it would be different to be a, a student coming to UNL and during those that era versus what I was in. So, uh, again, I think it even says more to what you guys are as fans. That, and I think Husker fans are better today than they were 30 years ago in the sense that that you know it's easy to be a fan when you're just winning every game. It's easy when you know you're going to come in and blow this team out. And uh, when, when you don't, but you're still showing up, you're still buying tickets, you're still creating podcasts, you're still out there on social media promoting it, all the things. I mean, that says a lot. And uh, so uh, I think that's great. Dylan, how about you? So it was difficult for me to narrow it down to, to one. So I have, actually have three moments that Go just stayed in mind um, growing up. Um, the first one, specific play was the Rex Burkhead juke against Ohio State when we came back. Um, I was at that game. It was awesome. He just juked that guy out of his shoes for the – I don't know, go ahead touchdown or did we tie the game? I can't remember. Um, that that might have been – I think that might have been go ahead there because that was, that was late in the game. Yes, and it was – you know, that was a game where a lot of people started leaving early, and so my dad and I stayed um, to the end, and that was really cool to see. Um, it was just a great play. The crowd was going crazy. The crowd that was still there. Um, my second was another game I was at, the Ron Kellogg Hail Mary against Northwestern. I'm sure that's a popular one on here. Oh, yeah. Um, I've never heard anything as loud as Memorial when Westy caught that touchdown. That was insane. <laughs> um, and then my third, I actually wasn't at the game. I was at a church camp during this game. Um, it was the Brandon Riley touchdown against Michigan State um when we beat them and i remember we weren't supposed to have our phones at this church camp and one of my buddies somehow snuck it in and we were watching it and we freaked out and i ran back to my little huddle and i was 
screaming to everyone, we just won, we just won, and no one cared. They just they kept going, and I'm like, okay, sorry. Sorry I brought it up. <laughs> but those three moments kind of solidified my uh, my love for Husker football. Yeah, those are great moments there, and those are those are great moments to be in the stadium too. Like I, we've talked with a number of people on this show about, you know, the still the – the great part of going and watching it live. I mean, we all can have a man cave in the basement with, you know, big screen TVs and who doesn't like to have a beer and be able to have the restroom right next to you and all that. But there's something about being in that stadium when something great happens, when Wester camp makes that catch, when, when Burkhead and when that comeback against Ohio state, I, I'm right there with you, Dylan. I was there at halftime when, uh, you know, we had some people in our section starting to clear out and it was a, you know, it was a rainy night and cold night and all that, but, but my goodness, you know, I mean, to, to stick through it and be there at the end and, and to be there part of that, that comeback. I was there that Michigan state night. And then there was some nights that I wish I would have been there. I mean, I don't know. Do you guys remember the Alex Henry kick against uh, Colorado? Yes. I do. Yeah, remember that. I mean, that's a moment. I wasn't there. I was back in, in Columbus. It was uh, Thanksgiving weekend. I, but it's one of those moments like, Oh my God, I wish I was there. I've heard so many people talk about uh, one of my coworkers was actually working a wrestling event that was in the Coliseum right by the stadium. And he said inside the Coliseum, it was shaking because Memorial Stadium oh, wow. was going nuts. That, you know, there's a flag on top of, it, of the uh, hanging from the top of the Coliseum. And it was shaking back and forth and waving and just, you know, how cool of a moment that would have been. And, and uh, that's the thing, you know, I, I, love, I love the live element of it. And so hopefully uh, we're going to have lots to cheer about here this year. We will. We will. Well, I like that. I like the, uh, I like the positive attitude here, I think. Um, we're going to get to a question here, number three, which is going to be who are your all-time favorite Huskers, but I want to bring up another uh, graphic here. And this is something that I think what you guys do, which is so good, and I mentioned earlier, and I, I love it, you guys are the self-proclaimed number one Nebraska football recruiting podcast in the country, but that's not just, you're not just saying words there. I mean, these are all the different guys, and, and there's, I don't have every one of them. This is just some of them, but Gunnar Gotchla, Jalen Lloyd, you started off with Malachi Coleman. You know, there's Ismael Smith Flores and Isaiah McMorris, and can, you can read them all. Riley Van Poppel. You've also had Jay Foreman on there, which was pretty cool. You also, in the basketball season, uh, Sam Hoiberg, you had Greasel on. You just had Bryce Matthews on with baseball. So uh, you guys have done an outstanding job getting great guests on there, and, and you do excellent uh, interviews. Uh, there's a reason why uh, Herd Ad has you, and we're glad to have you as part of it. I mean, what's it been like? to get to talk to some of these guys, especially these future players, these, these recruits, these guys that could become your, your future favorite all-time Huskers. Yeah. It's been really yeah. cool. It's you got some of Peters. Yeah. I mean, for me, just like talking to all these guys, I'm big into like, I really like looking at recruiting, following recruiting. So for me, it was like, why don't we just try and carve out? Like it's so hard to get like a Jeff Sims or, you know, Anthony Grant was tough to get on mm -hmm. these guys that are such big names like they don't need to come on you know a podcast but these kids that are gonna be like hopefully the future of this program to get them early to kind of hear a little bit more about them especially because we've talked about it, a lot of these kids are what their stars are so like if you're a three-star guy you're not getting a ton of typically like press you know you're not in interviews after practice every week so for me it was like why not just like I find this interesting I'm sure other people do so I was like, why not just try and dive in? And you don't see a lot of people doing it. So that, it's been really cool just because I like following recruiting anyway. So it was like, why not try and make something out of it? Yeah, I've, I've loved getting to know these guys on a more personal level. Um, mm -hmm. Just 
learning how they interact and um, something that's very rare. And we talked a little bit about it earlier before we went live, but um, I feel like our pod gives these guys a little more chance to be truly themselves Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to talking to, um, you know, journalists, news reporters, um, people that are old guys. Old guys. Yeah. I wouldn't (laughs) say it. You did. (laughs) Um, And so like we had Bryce Matthews, he just came to our house, our, our studios in our house um, mm-hmm. and came and uh, was super, super cool. Just a, a guy you would want to hang out with. And, you know, we, the conversation went to, he asked us, what did he ask us? Uh, do you oh, put he on- went sock, 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 shoe, shoe, or sock, shoe, sock, shoe, and you're getting ready. Yeah. What do you do? Out of the, out of nowhere. <laughs> Is it sock, 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 shoe, shoe? Yeah, sock, sock, shoe, yeah. shoe. Yeah, sock. Yeah, I guess that's what it, that's what I do. Sock, sock, shoe, shoe. Yeah, but just stupid things like that. You know, <laughs> actually see these guys in a kind of a carefree environment. Is, it's been really fun. That is, that's cool. I think, you know, we talked about this again a little bit before we even went on. There's a there's a lot of Husker fan podcasts out there, and, and we're, we're happy to see them all. I think it's a great community of podcasts. But where I, I really think you guys have – found a way to find a niche within that with what you're doing with these interviews specifically with recruits. But as we mentioned, there's other, hasn't just been football recruits and you've had baseball and basketball guys on. Now you've had Jay Foreman on too. So, you know, you guys have you know, diversified. You've also had Anthony Grant on. So you have, you know, current players too, but that niche of, of getting those, those recruits, there really isn't a recruit that, you know, pretty much hasn't talked to you at this point. And I think that's great. And I think moving forward, you know, it, it's not going to be a, it's like you're not through the recruiting process until you've had a chance to talk with the boys down bad podcast. So I think that's a, a really a, a cool niche that you guys have, have formed and created there. Yeah, for sure. It's been a while. Well, right? Yeah. Well, I think it leads us perfectly into question number three then. So who are your favorite all time Huskers? Peters, you want to go? And uh, you know you I'll start, start I'll, off. you know, I, I need to do a better job asking it so I can direct it to you. I'll, I'll start with you, Dylan. You, you start off with uh, some, who are some of your favorite all-timers? Yeah. So I've got one um, just mainstream pick and I've got two obscure ones that I think about with Nebraska football. Um, okay. First is Amir. He was my favorite player for a long, long time. Um, his run against McNeese state. I remember Peters, we were at like a fall ball tournament yeah. um, during that game. Just and we're you know we're struggling against McNeese State. We're like, what's going on? And then Amir breaks that run, or I don't know if it was, yeah, it was a run. I think um, it was it, it was like a screen catch and basically a run. Yeah, yeah, yep. And he broke that. That was just awesome. And seeing ha- seeing him have so much success in the NFL too um, has been really cool. Solidify himself for a long career in the NFL was is awesome. Um, and then my two obscure ones. For some reason, this guy has always stuck in my mind. Damian Stafford, the safety. He mm-hmm. was so small, but he just destroyed dudes. He would just come come in with the steam and just blow people up. And he was always on um, in the tunnel walk when they play, like, here comes the boom. Um, and they do, like, when they say boom, it, like, hits someone. He was always in there just destroying some dude. That was awesome. And then the other one. Don't know why, but our friend group just loved this dude. He didn't do anything incredible, but when he got in, it was just fun to watch, and that was Riker Fife. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why, but when just a GI dude, when whenever he got in the game, we were just pumped up. He never mm-hmm. really did anything great, but um, we loved watching him. 
Those are my two. How about you, Jordan? Yeah, so, I mean, Indomitian Sue just jumps off the page. I mean, how many times have we seen even a defensive player get, you know, in the top, however many in the Heisman? Should have won it probably, but that's a whole other story. So, for me, he's one that really sticks out because it was kind of in that era where we were we were good, but we weren't winning like we used to. And now it's kind of been a little bit downhill. Another one's Tommy Armstrong. I mean, he's probably the best quarterback I remember watching play. Um, I mean, and then kind of an obscure one. I was good friends with Tyjon Lindsay when he was here. Just a good dude. I know he didn't stick around, uh, kind of had to make another move, but just a good kid. Not, I mean, some of these kids, you just think like, oh, they're, they're just an athlete. Like, I don't want to get in their way, but just a nice kid. Just wanted to talk football. Just wanted to hang out. So those would be my three. Lindsey was a was he a Bishop Gorman kid from like a Las Vegas, and he was part of the yeah. that recruiting class of like the we had like th- the top receiving re- recruiting class because like Keyshawn's kid, yeah, and you like had Keyshawn, and then the, uh, there's a guy Tyson from and, yeah, uh, a guy from Tristan Kansas Jebbia. City. Jebbia. There's oh. a receiver from Kansas City too. So we had like three four star receivers, and that was like the top one. But then they. Yeah, you know, they didn't yeah. stick around then. But then, then Lindsay was, Lindsay went on to like Oregon State, didn't he? And have like a yeah. pretty decent career. He had, he had some pretty good success at Oregon State. I mean, it's a Pac twelve after dark team that, you know, <laughs> you're not getting a bunch of primetime games. But I mean I if I was up still I'd be like, Oh, flip it on, see what Tyjon's up to. And then it was Bookie Radley Hiles was the class after that, who's mm-hmm. committed here. I think they're cousins. So I mean, once we had Tyjon, I was like, Oh, he's for sure in but you know, it doesn't always work out. Yeah. Well, man. Tyson played last year, didn't he? Yeah. I think his senior year was last year. I mean, he had, I mean, he caught, I think, like five touchdowns last year, maybe. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, it's Oregon State. It's not, you know, you're not playing SEC every week, but I don't know. Still a good kid. Yeah. I and mean, when they even got ranked last year and they, heck, they had yeah. like, what, I think Gebbio was their quarterback and they had, um, Avery Roberts, if I remember right, that the linebacker, that the only recruit we ever had from Delaware came here, and he was like a four-star uh, linebacker. Oh, yeah. Leaves here, goes yeah. to um, goes to Oregon State, and I think he was like an all-conference player there. Uh, somebody and, should fact check me, Boomer. You may want to fact check that, but I think it was Avery Roberts was his name, and and uh, he and went over there. I'm pretty sure Jebby has one year left because of COVID year. Mm-hmm. Sure, I think he might have got injured. I think he's at Ohio State. He's at Ohio State right now. Job. Yeah, so he's one Man. of those guys. That, yeah, he's there forever. Frost, Frost doesn't go after Joe Burrow back in 2018, and one of the reasons when when he was leaving Ohio State, one of the reasons was because you know he kind of made the the famous statement that you know is he better than what we have, and what we had at that time was a very young Martinez and Jebbia. And that those two guys were going to compete for it. And just the the strangeness of everything, COVID year, now guys have sixth and seventh years and all that. The idea that at the very end of this, you know, Frost is no longer here. All these guys have moved on. Look at what Joe Burrow has done. And now Jebby is going back to Ohio State, of all things, to, to finish it off. It was last year. It's just bizarre. But That's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. We've seen a lot of crazy things. Well, I think one of the crazy things is, and this is this is my favorite one. It's it's question number four, and this is where we spend the bulk of the time on this show. Is how do you think the Huskers will do this year? And this is very much intended just to be a open ended discussion. 
uh, Boomer, if we get people interacting with us and asking questions and, and, and all that, throw it up there because this is, uh, this is just kind of a free-flowing thing. Uh, we have people thinking that, you know, can we get to six wins and just get to a bowl game? Uh, we have people thinking that's not possible. We have other people that say, no, you know, Coach Rule's got this thing figured out, eight, nine, ten, whatever wins. Uh, I'll start with you, Jordan, just so that we can keep some order here, but then let's get into the – let's just get free-flowing. Jordan, what are you thinking for next year? Yeah, so, I mean, you picked the two optimistic ones from the pod. I think eight and four <laughs> is realistic. Mm-hmm. I think I, – I don't – we talked about if we think six and six is a successful season. Obviously, it's better than what we've done, but this schedule – I know I said the same thing last year and it blew up in my face, but <laughs> when you look at the teams that we'd have to lose to to go six and six, it just, I can't say it's successful. I honestly think that eight and four is very on the table. I think 10 and two, it's just like Michigan is going to be tough. And I think Wisconsin, I think those are two for sure losses that just put them in the record book. Now let's move on and then just kind of see what happens. I mean, I think, Jeff Sims, it sucked Casey left, but it makes sense in the fact that why would you go after a guy who has two years of eligibility left, who is a big body, really good frame, he's going to put on some more weight, can throw the ball, athletic. He fits rules offense so perfectly that I mean, I know the spring game wasn't, people weren't, you know, super happy with it. It didn't look perfect, but I think Sims is going to be really good. I think Eight and four is where I'm like really good season, kind of outperformed. Seven and five, it's like, okay, maybe we get get out of the blocks a little slow. But I think eight and four is kind of where I'm sticking my flag in. Mm -hmm. Dylan, how about you? Yeah, I mean, I agree with Jordan. These are definitely the two optimistic people on the pod. The other two um, like to drag us down a little bit. But, I mean, (laughs) I think national title. Why not? Mm -hmm. Like, we have played on our podcast all the time. It's like – the other two, they want to, they don't want to get their hopes up because they don't want to be hurt. And it's like, well, what's the point of being a fan if you're not going to get your hopes up for the year? You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into a season thinking, oh man, I hope we win six games and make a bowl game. No, I want to win the national title. That's what every team should want. That's what every fan should want. Um, so realistically, eight and four, I think with our schedule could easily happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, with what rules done and um, the guys he's brought in. Um, but my truth for things, I think we're going to win the national championship. Well, I, you're not going to get any, any disagreement here on, on the, the desire to win that national championship. I want to win it as bad as anybody. Uh, what I've been saying on this, actually the other night we did a, we did an episode, Mac and I did, uh, we're both named Matt. So we just call it Matt's rule, the two of us. And um, we did a, a one part of it was about we talked about ceilings and floors and it's maybe it's more of a discussion that I almost don't like and and I know it's a it's a betting thing we have a bet cast on our show I know you guys do some shows where you guys break down numbers I'm all into the analytics and, and all that but I just I always get turned off on Twitter or social media when someone says your ceiling is this you know nine that's it you know like they're so sure like it's impossible and I would say the same thing with the floor hey your floor is four. No, I mean, our floor is zero. We can literally, we can win zero. Right. And our, our ceiling is 15. We can go 15 and 0 win the championship. There's your, there's your ceiling and your floor. And, and there's a lot of things that have to happen in between. I, I'm pretty sure TCU last year going into year one of, of Spike Dykes, a lot of people probably had to put ceilings on them and they took it all the way to the championship game. 
I'm sure Northwestern probably people said your floor is three and they found a way to get below it. So, you know, it, floors and ceilings don't matter to me. But what I what I've been saying is I think what is important is to get to a bowl game again. And that's where I call it the race to six. And that's been my offseason mantra is let's find a way to get to six wins. Now, six wins can happen in six weeks or we could be five and six heading into Black Friday to play Iowa. And we got to win it to get to bowl game. Either way, get the win, get to get to, um, you know, get to the bowl game. I think it's important for rule and, and year one to get to six, to get the bowl game, to show that, to demonstrate that level of success, because I, I think it's going to be hard to get buy-in from people. If I know, I know we have the talent. I mean, talent's not even the question right now. It's we got to do the right things to get to bowl games, not losing games that, that we should win. I, you know, I think Jordan, you mentioned even like Wisconsin last year, and that was a game that we were up double digits in the, the fourth quarter and we lost. It's like, we've got to figure out ways to not blow, you know, victories. And that's what coach rule is here to do. So hopefully, you know, if he does the right things, we should get there, but maybe let's start with the, just the first game. How important is Minnesota? Because I think that game is going to be so telling. If we beat Minnesota, I think a lot of people look at the next three games and go, Hey, we're four and oh, when Michigan comes to town, you know, just by winning that first one, how important is that first game? I think it's super it's, important. Go for it. I think you're going to see what kind of team we are. I People are just so – even on our pod, we got two guys that are just like – you would think Minnesota is Georgia. Like I get we're not we're, – I think we're an eight-point dog. Keep the points. Take the money line. I just – like I think it's important to see what kind of team we're going to be. If we can take a lead, if it's close, if we can – make it, you know, go ahead, drive, and then the defense gets a stop. That's where I think you're going to see what kind of team Matt Rule has because a Scott Frost team has no chance. Even if you're up by seven, if you're on defense, you're kind of screwed. If it's third down and you're on offense, you're kind of screwed anyway. Mm -hmm. But I think you're going to see what kind of coach Rule is making smart decisions to either keep a lead or come back from a lead. So – I, I don't think Minnesota is anything super special. Well, so Jordan, to, to follow on that, I mean, Minnesota is another one of those double digit leads we had last year in the second half. We were up 10 nothing at halftime. How, if, let's assume the same thing this year. Let's assume we're up 10 nothing at halftime at, at Minnesota. How does a coach rule team, do you think, how do you envision them playing in the second half versus what we saw last year? I think they're going to know what they need to do to keep a lead. I think, I think a lot of, Nebraska's failure during the Scott Frost era was solely because of coaching. I mean, Adrian Martinez was a good quarterback at Kansas State. I had no – I thought no chance he'd be anything at Kansas State just because from what I had seen, he just didn't seem like a winner. Mm -hmm. But I think you're going to see guys, like, knowing how to play with the lead, and I think him bringing in that, like, new culture. I think Matt Rule cares about – like, Scott Frost cared – because he was like a name in Lincoln. Mm-hmm. Matt Rule doesn't have that. Like he wasn't the quarterback here. He's trying to build up a name. So I think you're just kind of getting a guy. You're getting a guy who cares and is going to put his blood, sweat, and tears into this team. So I think you're going to just see a like smarter team making the right winning decisions. Dylan. Yeah, I think Minnesota is absolutely crucial for Rule. I think. You know, if we don't have a super great performance, it's going to be that 
here we go again feeling that mm-hmm. is very hard to get rid of um, as a fan. And, you know, growing up watching Nebraska football, once once it's the here we go again, it's I mean, I we still do it. We still drink the Kool-Aid, but it's hard to get back on the wagon when it's like, uh, I think back to last year with the Northwestern game, <laughs> given it was in Ireland on foreign soil, so it doesn't count, according to Will Compton. Um, <laughs> but uh, after the first drive, I thought I, I thought national title with uh, Casey's throw to uh, IGC. And- yes. It, I mean, the drive was perfect. And then, you know, we come out of the second half, the onside kick, and we lose, and then it's the here we go again. So if he can avoid the here we go again feeling with Husker fans in the first game, I think it's going to be it's going to be big for him. Mm-hmm. Now Boomer's got the question: Are we putting too much in the game one of the rule error, especially given his history of of starting slow at programs? That is a question we get. Now we've also addressed this. I'm sure you guys have as well. You look at the history of what Coach Rule has been in year one. Those programs are at different places than what he's taking over Nebraska at. In fact, he's kind of made reference to. The changes that were made last year in game three with Frost gone and then in game four with Shenander gone and with Bush coming in and being the D.C., you started to see a different style of Nebraska playing just just the last eight games, more physical in practice, actually tackling on defense. Shocking that tackling in practice can help you tackling in a football game. But the team started to, I think, make some some improvements and basically – you know, rules kind of said that that kind of, in in essence, to him acted like year one. That he feels like he's kind of taking over a year two program. He doesn't have the roster disaster he took over at Baylor, and there was plenty of issues at, at Temple when he took them over. In addition to the fact they were switching conferences around that time too. So, I mean, I think he feels really comfortable with the with the the roster he has. You look at the O line. And he's like, yeah, I don't even really feel the need to have to go out into the portal. Plus, I don't think there's anybody out there that is worthy of just coming in here and and is going to go grab a spot anyways. But I think with that Minnesota game, to go back to Boomer's you know question there, I think it can tell a lot about the team. And one of the biggest, I don't want to say question marks, it's just something I'm interested to see is what is this 3-3-5 defense going to look like? And Minnesota, if nothing else, I don't know if they're going to be good, bad, or whatever, but you know that they're going to, they're going to line up and have seven offensive linemen on the field at some point and three tight ends and two fullbacks. I mean, they're going to do the some of the most unbalanced, you know, big-time stuff. And let's see right away. Let's have a good indicator. How is this 3-3-5 going to hold up against that style of football? And we'll know in August, uh, you know, well before we ever even get into the the meat of the, the conference schedule. Yeah. I think uh, something interesting, I was talking to a coworker who played uh, football at Nebraska Westland about the 335 because I'm not an X's and O's guy. I don't know anything mm-hmm. about defensive schemes or anything. Um, but he said the most important part of that defense is actually the um, nose tackle. So I'm assuming it'll be Ty Robinson um, because he, you know, you have three people up front and say you're playing against the Minnesota who's going to, you know, run the ball down your throat. You got to have a guy who's going to take up to maybe three um, holes so that to give the linebackers time to fill. If he mm-hmm. can't do that, he's going to run all over us on this three, 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 yeah, three, three, five. So, you I know, know, something yeah. fast. No, that's, that's 100% true. And we've, we've gotten into the X's and O's on that on the show before where I'm, I'm going to take a history trip for a second, go back 30 years. Nebraska used to run five, two, and they switched to a four, three. That was a big deal back then. And, the, and the, the only way to do that then was it started with the corners. 
you had to have great corners that could then you'd make the guys that weren't your corners they became your safeties your safeties became your linebackers your linebackers became your your dns and all of a sudden we had all this speed on the field but it started there well about three years ago four years ago whatever when we started to switch back to the to the three four that nose tackle if you can't win the battle right there at the at the ball if you don't win that I mean, then the middle of the field's open. And if the middle of the field's open against you, you're, you're screwed. 2021, our best defensive performance, I think, that's when Damian Daniels was playing and playing at his best where he, can, from a condition standpoint, he could play three, four plays in a row, didn't have to come off all the time. And he was dominating. I mean, they, I remember him going up against uh, Linderbaum, the center at Iowa, and that dude's amazing. That guy's a great center. And there were times that he just flat out handled him. And so you're absolutely right, and your friend was right there. You, we need to dominate right in the middle of the field. I think Hutmacher is going to be one of those guys too, the polar bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that's and that's going to be where I've, I've got to keep an eye open is is on the D line. We saw a little bit in the spring game with uh, some young guys on the D line starting to play more, and and that'll be interesting to see. Maybe that's a an area we can talk about spring game. What did you guys think of it? Um, I have my thoughts. But uh, what do you think of the spring game just in general format-wise, you know, the, the environment, what you saw on the field? Uh, Dylan, I'll, I'll start with you. Spring games are always interesting because you can always spin it both ways. If your offense mm-hmm. doesn't play good, then it's like, oh, your defense played really well. Or if the, de- if the defense played bad, then the offense played really well. Um, I thought the offense looked extremely sloppy with the – how many did we have like seven or eight fumbles, something like that? Sure. Yeah, we had like seven. Seven. And before the game rule was talking about how, you know, we have to take care of the ball this year. That's what we're focusing on. That wasn't super promising. I do think the defense looked um, pretty well, pretty good. I think Sims looked like he had some zip on the ball. Um, so that was promising. Um, the the kickoff deal was interesting. The is it they they take that from the XFL? Yeah, a safety deal for the uh, for uh, for a practice, which that can make some sense there. At least it gets you the reps without mm-hmm. having the the huge contact that yeah. comes with the kickoff. I wonder. I, I wouldn't be shocked if that actually becomes the the way that they do kickoffs in five or six years. I would think so too. But um, yeah, it was okay. I don't know. I it was just fun to see Rule out there, kind of in his environment and mm-hmm. in a. Or, uh, Husker shirt, um, just seeing how he controls the sidelines and everything. So, I mean, obviously I'm optimistic and I think we're going to do really well this year, but um, there was some good and some bad. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll tell you this. I think that game is about as unique of a spring game as I've seen in a long time because they played real football. Mm-hmm. And it means a lot more to me if a guy struggles or if he has success, it means a lot more when you know they're really playing. When a quarterback throws a beautiful pass, but he's wearing a green jersey and he knows he's not going to get hit, it just isn't the same. And to see them go out and do what they did, like even the seven fumbles, you know, one of those fumbles was, uh, you know, Richard Torres, a quarterback that even if he would have stuck around here, we knew he wasn't going to be a a major contributor. But one of them was he just fumbled it, handing it off to the running back. He hit the fullback (laughs) and and the ball, it was sloppy, but it was real football with some backups at times out there. And uh, but the tackling, you know, when you look at some of the fundamentals, when I look at like what MJ Sherman was doing fundamentally defensively hitting guys like that was really impressive. Tackling seemed to look pretty good. Mm-hmm. And that comes from reps and they're doing the reps. They're, they're bringing guys down in practice. That's that's important. Jordan, what were some of the things you saw? What were some of the things you wanted to see 
uh, you know, coming out of a spring game. Yeah, I mean, I was impressed with Sims. I I knew he was good. I knew he was a good athlete. I, I kind of had a little bit of concerns, like, reading coverages, like, kind of making quick, you know, short throws. So I was I was happy to see him look pretty good. I think the defense, it's just confusing enough to where it can catch, like, I don't think Michigan – I mean, I would love to beat Michigan, but I don't think, like, a Michigan's going to trip up, but it gives them kind of a different look to where I think we can stay in the game. Mm-hmm. So I was, I liked that kind of like what Dylan said, it was a little sloppy. I was, what I liked is I turned it on and I was watching football where last mm-hmm. year I turned it on and I was watching two hand touch. So it was like, it was good to actually see one that the quarterbacks weren't like shying away from it. They weren't, you know, throwing it away at the last second. They weren't like sliding. It was, they wanted to get, they wanted to make football plays, which I think that's huge. If you can get a quarterback who maybe isn't even going to stay here, like they have nothing to gain from, you know, taking a hit, trying to get an extra couple of yards. But if you can get guys to want to do that, mm-hmm. I was happy with that. And I think the kickoff thing, I liked it in the spring game. I get why they, you know, could take it into the college or NFL game at some point, just kind of keep safety first with it. I don't know. I It's smart. Like, the last thing you want is, you know, a Billy Kemp or somebody to tear an ACL getting, like, dragged down. Like, it's pointless to do that in a spring game. Like, let's just keep as many guys healthy as we can, especially on a kickoff. Yeah. You know, that's – and that's the, the challenge, I think, that every coaching staff, every team has with how do you – how do you practice hard enough where – where I remember when we lost to Iowa in 2016, and they blew us out. And Nebraska's defensive coordinator, Mark Banker, at the time, he goes, man, they must have bloodbaths for practice. And that got my skin boiling because I'm like, well, what the hell are we doing in practice? You know, I mean, you know, are we having Kona ice? And then you know, I see the photos and we were. But that, that's that's beyond the point. It was like, you know, what are we doing? And you want to be physical enough. Like the, the word we had Adam Carricker on the fan forum about a month ago, and he used the word um, you want to get, you know, you got to You got to get calloused. To playing football and so anyone that's played football those first two or three practices of the season suck every little hit on your forearm on your shin everything hurts you haven't been hitting but then after about like three or four practices it's amazing how you get callous to it and you're actually better prepared and you don't get as injured if you can prepare that way and i can remember during the riley era specifically it seemed like we had like receivers that would go out there and like make one catch and then they'd get hit, and then they were out for a week. And they'd sit them out all week to rest them so that they were healthy for the next week. They'd get out the next week, they'd take a hit, and they were out for a week. And it was like, you know, it was just kind of this, re- you know, repeating, you know, issue. And it's not – nobody ever wants to see injuries. I mean, that's the last thing. I, I don't – I was, you know, fingers crossed the whole time in the spring game, but I just thought it was so cool to see us get through the spring game, play real football. Jeff Sims took a good hit on, like, the second play of the game. Got drugged down from behind. And – you know, and, and I kind of held my breath for a second. And then he got up and I'm like, oh yeah, he's a big dude. He's okay. He'll be fine. You know, like, and you know, I, I, I'm, I like Casey Thompson. I think Casey's a, I think he was a great ambassador, you know, part of the program, but I think for what they want to do, the fit and the style of runner and everything that Jeff Sims brings that Harburg brings, I was happy with what I saw from Purdy, his willingness to run something I didn't see at the end of last season, but I saw in a spring game. I don't know. I, I, I'm intrigued. 
You might see an option yeah. or two. Yeah, I I was kind of going into it even before Casey left, saying like telling coworkers like I think Jeff Sims is probably going to start. He fits what Matt Rule wants. He wants somebody who first read isn't there. Check, take a second look at the you know second read and then just take off. Where mm-hmm. Casey, it's one two three three two one. No one's open. Have to run. And then at that point, it's like let's pray for two yards. Mm-hmm. For Sims, it's it's not there. It's not there. Just take off, get five yards, and like make something happen. Where it makes sense. I mean, it does suck because you never know what's going to happen with injuries. Casey would have been a great guy, even to just have a battle with, kind of see who comes out of camp. But it makes sense, you know. And especially going back with Tom Herman, I think that helps a lot with him too. Yeah, yeah he's a sixth year or seventh year guy, and he, you know, he's twenty five years old. He's I, I I get all the reasons why I would love to see, and he hasn't committed anywhere as far as I know. I'd love to see Logan Smothers uh, still come back. And I know that offer was what was so cool about coach rules. Like coach rules kind of talking with the guys about like, Hey, I totally understand it. Put yourself out there in the portal. The portal doesn't mean you're leaving. The portal is kind of the way to, to market yourself and see what the value is out there. And some coaches will look at that as well. If you go in the portal, you know, get the heck out of here. You know, you're not welcome back. Rules been like, hey, if any one of you QBs want to mark, you know, put yourself in there, I understand and know that you can come back. Um, obviously, Torres and, and um, Casey both left. I, I I might be in the minority of this. My if I was between having Casey back or Logan, I'd rather have Logan just based off of what the staff wants to do with the QB spot and the mobility that I I know that Logan could bring. I would love to see him back in that mix and then have four QBs in that room. That would be, that'd be really impressive. Compare that to the first year of frost where, you know, we didn't, we didn't go after burrow and then we lose, uh, we lose Jebby right before the season starts. And now we basically, we had Martinez true freshman. Andrew Bunch was a walk on freshman right behind him. Uh, we had Vedral who we didn't even go after the waiver at that time. So he wasn't even eligible to play. And then Martinez gets hurt, and here we are in week two. Actually, it was week three, but the Akron game didn't happen. So it was the second game we're playing against Troy, and we're down to Andrew Bunch mm-hmm. with an injured Martinez. You know, that's a bad situation to, to start the season off of. So when I can look at this roster and already go, this is such a better roster, at least at that position, than where we were five years ago starting off the Frost era. Um, you know, I, I feel pretty good with, with Sims. I feel pretty good with Harburg with how they want to run them. I Purdy, and if we could get some others back there, that'd be a good spot. Yeah, 100%. I know one guy, uh, Trev, on our pod, He once Casey left, he was like, oh, Sims is tearing his ACL. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> that guy sounds like he has been snake bitten, man. <laughs> Trev, <laughs> he's, he's, you know, hey, and I get it. I get it, man. <laughs> don't let it fool you. Once uh, get the first game rolls around, he'll be drinking all the Kool-Aid for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Once he makes it to Harris to put the over win total, he'll be right back in. So uh-huh. it's just the summer we got to get him through, but he'll be back in. Yep. Well, and be, and before you know it, you won't even have to like cross the the river to do that. You could. Uh, you can. I'm I'm from Columbus, so the casino is opening up there next month, the temporary one. And um, I don't know what all the Nebraska rules are. I think you have to be in the. I, I don't think you, you can use the apps the way you can like in Colorado and stuff, but you can least just go to the casino and and start to throw a few bucks down you know responsibly as we always say but casters red casters responsibly you know and uh, and hopefully throw them on the huskers uh 
Yeah, this is a it's gonna be a fun season. I I really I'm bought in based off of everything I've heard and and watched through up to this point with Rule that that the things that that he says he wants to do, that they're gonna do it. You know, when they said, Hey, we're gonna we're gonna be physical in practice and we're gonna tackle quarterbacks, I've heard people say that before, and then I've gone to coaches' clinics and stuff and you don't see it. They've gone through with it. I mean, that spring game said a lot to me. I didn't walk away really worrying about what the football that was played, the actual how clean it was. I mean, it's spring, and you're going to play with guys that are going to – some of them are going to be transferring and all that. But what did we see? We saw physical football. We saw guys taking hits. We saw guys, you know, uh, you know, breaking tackles, guys making good catches, guys making good throws. I mean, that's – that. and, you know, I look at that O-line. I actually – I, I, I'm, I'm, I've been told I look like Coach Rule. I think like Coach Rule with this line right now. I like the line that we have coming back. And I think having a mobile quarterback can help that line not look so bad sometimes where a line can be put in a bad situation when they're having to sit there and pocket pass for pocket block for, you know, 10 seconds on a play. You do kind of look like Rule. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Yeah, the uh, we've got this doppelganger <laughs> effect thing going. That uh, Oh, that's actually crazy. <laughs> so, oh yeah, and I, again, I've I've said this to a number of people. I'm like, I don't see it as much as others do, or or, or I, I do in a couple of situations. But I've had other people just come up and they're like, "No, you look like him." You just so there's something there's something there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the biggest. I don't know. I'm impressed with Rule because it just seems like he actually cares. I think that's what we didn't have with Frost. Is he thought he was coming in and he was just like going to have all the job security no matter what mm-hmm. where rule it's like he cares like he has turned turned around temple turned around baylor i also think it kind of is an extra motivation coming off the quote-unquote failure at carolina where you don't think about you know how he turned around temple when it's also like well he carolina was bad so that's what i'm like most impressed with is just like he you're seeing like they're doing what he says they're going to do, which I just think like Frost, like we were, we weren't tackling at all. It was like, how are we supposed to like compete with like Michigan or mm-hmm. even like in Iowa who is, you know, they're physical, like they're big guys that they're like, you can't just play two hand touch all, you know, fall and expect to go beat Iowa at Iowa. So I don't know. I'm super impressed. And yeah, I mean, I was bought in from day one. So I don't know. Yeah, we need to be be able. Yeah, we need to be able to develop players the way that Iowa does. I think I saw a stat today, and it was like the top ten teams that have the most players right now in the NFL, and Iowa was like number ten. It was actually sent to me by a by an Iowa buddy of mine, and and even he was like, "Some who's the oddball in this list?" And it was like one through nine is Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, blah blah blah. And there's number ten is Iowa. And my response was, "I'm like, well, you guys are you know." you guys are the top developmental program in the country. And I don't think there's even probably a close second and Nebraska. And, and part of that is, I mean, look, I was not going to be, you know, world beaters when it comes to recruiting, you know, they're not getting top classes all the time, but man, the guys that they get, they, they, they do the right things with them. They develop players over the course of, you know, two, three years, especially on the lines. And, and they're really, you know, hard to play there after they've, uh, after they've been developed. And Nebraska needs to develop like that while we can recruit the way we recruit. And if, if those two things come together, I mean, that's when Nebraska has been at its best. And, you know, I just, I love, you know, 
you kind of mentioned it with with Frost too. I think Frost came in there and he had the the ultimate job security, the seven year runway right away at the beginning. And I remember his first off season. One of the things that he really went to fix was he fixed the uh, serious, the music, the the tunnel walk music. He wanted to change it. And do you remember that? Like they were adding and changing, and and did like some different music yeah. with it. And my whole point was, I don't really care. I mean, if you switched it, you switched it. If you don't, that, that didn't bother me. It was more like, who's asking for that right now? Is that, are the fans demanding that? I didn't hear anybody demanding that. That seemed like something he's coming in. He wants to change that. And I'm like, well, you got other things to fix right now. The things that I see coach rule and I see Trev working on are seem to be fan driven. Number one, Hey, let's bring Solich back. Let's get Herbie back. Let's get beer at PBA. You know, these are demands that, that, that fans have. And then on the field, the demands are let's play tough football. Let's, you know, let's run the football. We want to see it, you know, happening. And that's and rule sitting there going, yep, that's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to have a, a running offense. We're going to have quarterbacks that, that run more than even they have in his offense in the past. And then the last point there about like, you know, I think him going to the pros for a couple of years is great because that gives him a level of experience. He's talked about with like the drafts, you know, he's been now in the draft rooms, but I've had people are on social media. Social media is always so wonderful. And people are like, yeah, man, you know, he failed there. You know, what's he going to do at Nebraska? Yeah. Cause no other coach has ever gone to the pros failed for a couple of years and come back, you know, Nick Saban. Yeah, I was going to say know, Nick Saban, <laughs> Urban Meyer, you know, Steve Spurrier, you know, there's, Plenty of examples of, in fact, it's very rare to see a coach do well at both. They tend to, you know, a coach is either really good at one and not good at the other, you know, vice versa. So um, I, I'm, he's, Coach Rule is a college coach. There's just no doubt about that. And, uh, and I, I, I'm excited to see, get this thing started here. So, yep. I think it's, it's really good for him that he had a little bit of NFL coaching experience because now mm-hmm. he can prepare these kids um, when they get drafted or go to the NFL, you know, what to expect. And he can mm-hmm. film in on that side of things too. So I think he's going to be really good. Can't wait to see it. Yeah. He's, he's mentioned the, the success he sees with his players or, or he deems successes. Are you getting that second contract, that mm-hmm. five-year contract, you know, are you in the pros that long? Like it's not, it's one thing to just get drafted, but like, can you actually be a successful pro and, that takes development. If we can develop guys so that when you get to the pros, you're going to have a, a healthy, long career. Boy, that's a good spot to be in. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, fellas, this has been a blast. And as uh, is, is our tradition on the Redcast, uh, on the forum, we always do our parting shots and we allow our guests to, to have the final words. Today we have two guests. So I'm going to start with you, Jordan, and we'll finish with you, Dylan. Uh, give us some parting shots, guys. Um, Dylan, you want to go first on this? I'm yeah, I'm Jordan's gonna think this one through, Dylan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I said it earlier, national championship this year is what I'm uh, what I'm banking on, but I'm gonna do a little promotion for the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, this week we've got an episode coming out with uh, Gibson Pyle O lineman from Houston. Um, he's a 2024 commit, so awesome. Uh, conversation with him, he's a super cool dude. Um, and then I think you touched on our um all of our handles. So um, yeah, we appreciate you letting us come on and uh, chop it up for an hour. It's been great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Be great. Yeah. I'm going back to this floor and ceiling. I think floor is eight and four ceiling 15 and L I told Dylan, <laughs> I think Riola 
finishes his career at Nebraska. So, and then, yeah, follow us. Really good interview on Friday with the Edmund Pyle. Um, yeah, we're just going to keep rolling with it. Yeah, Redcasters out there, absolutely follow them on YouTube, Spotify, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. That's how I've reached out to you guys. Uh, at Boys Down Bad Pod. Uh, I, I think the, the work you guys are doing is great. And I mean, I, I reached out to you back in January, February around that. And uh, I just, I really love what you guys have put together. I think you guys have found a great niche within this big Husker glut of Husker fan podcast. I think you guys have really found something that that works well and that you guys have made your own. And uh, I couldn't be happier, prouder to have you be part of the, the Herd at Network with us. Uh, you're a great addition to it. So thank you so much, Dylan Jordan. Thank you. Uh, everyone go out there, listen to the Boys Down Bad podcast. And just remember, Redcasters, you too could be the next one to join us on the forum. Heard at Sports Network Production.